0: That's why we're here this morning. We want to see your kingdom come, your will be done. We want to see your name lifted high and proclaimed among the nations. And so we do pray, Lord, that everything we do this morning in this service would bring you glory and praise and honor. And now as we come to your word, Father, we do pray that you would continue to speak to us through your word. We know we need to be led and guided by you. And so we come to your word and we ask you to speak. Give us truth and wisdom. Father, remove anything that may distract us from hearing what you have to say, any fears, anxieties, anything going on around us, Lord, and just help us to tune in on you and hear what you have to say. Father, we pray that you would open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, and our hearts to receive what you have to say to us this morning. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, we're still working our way through the book of First Peter and so hopefully you have your Bibles with you and you can open them up to First Peter chapter 2 and we're doing the second half of the chapter verses 13 through 25. So First Peter chapter 2 verses 13 through 25 and read along with me as I read it. Submit yourselves. For the Lord's sake, to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. Slaves, submit yourself to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, He did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Amen. Well, I'm probably going to step in it a little bit this morning. (laughs) I suppose it's one of the dangers slash benefits of just preaching through books of the Bible. I'm not really in charge of what passage I preach on when I preach it. I just pick a book of the Bible and take the next verse and apply it to our situation. And so we get through Lent and I decide I'm just going to pick the book of 1 Peter because it's written to a group of people who are struggling and suffering and they've been struggling and suffering for a long time. And I thought this will help guide us through rough waters because we're going to be a congregation struggling and suffering for a little while. And then I come to this verse, this passage, and I'm reminded of how relevant Scripture is to our daily lives. You know, this letter was written to a group of people who had been suffering for quite some time. And what does Peter write to them about? Submitting to governing authorities. Now, we are a people who've been suffering for some time. And isn't that a question that's been... Repeated over and over and questioned in our minds. That should we submit to the governing authorities? At what level should we submit to the governing authorities? And it kind of blows my mind that all of the same struggles they were having 2,000 years ago, we continue to have today. And so this passage is extremely relevant to us right now. I also think it's a massive pile of dynamite. Because. In the midst of this struggle and suffering, our country has just increasingly become more and more divided and angry over political lines. And, and as we talk about authority, who should have authority, who shouldn't have authority, what authority should we listen to? We have become more angry and more bitter. And so no matter what side I take on this, I'll probably tick someone off. And, and even this, this last week, that's what the Supreme Court decision was about here in Wisconsin. Did Governor Evers have the authority to extend the Safer at Home order? And the Supreme Court said he didn't. And so now the order was completely canceled, and and now people are trying to figure out what do we do? How do we start reopening? They kind of put the authority back in our hands to figure out how to open up and what to do. And like I said, some people are really happy about that. Some people are really angry about that. Other people are just afraid. But the question does come up and has been coming up over the past two months. How do we, as Christians, respond to the authorities? And the overwhelming refrain of Scripture is that we submit. So Peter says in verses 13 through 14, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority whether to the emperor as a supreme authority or to governors. Romans 13, which is a famous passage in this sake. Romans 13 says, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Titus 3 says the same thing. Remind the people, pastor, to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do what is good. So there's there's really no question about what Scripture has to say our connection with authorities should be. We are called to submit to them. And you might ask, why? Why are we called to submit to To the authorities. And Peter gives us two reasons. There's more reasons throughout Scripture, but our passage today gives us two reasons. The first reason we submit because of God, and the second reason Peter gives us, we submit because of evangelism. And so if you look at verse 13 again, Peter says, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. Okay, so, so we submit to the authorities for God's sake. So as Romans 13 points out, all authorities are in the place that they are in, in their position of authority, because God has put them there. And so when we submit to the authorities that God has put in place, we're actually submitting to God. And we're submitting and honoring the God who put them there but that this is a really important distinction that we submit to the authorities not for their sake but for God's sake and and that means a couple of things it means for one we submit to them whether we like them or not because we're not submitting to them for their sake we're submitting to them for God's sake and and we submit we can't submit to them just wholeheartedly without any question because we cannot submit to them in a way that dishonors our submission to God. And so all of our submission to authority has to run through the filter of honoring and submitting God. One commentator said this, it's because Christ is Lord, not Caesar, that we submit. So we submit to governing authorities as a way of honoring God and for God's sake. And the second reason Peter gives is in verse 15, for the sake of evangelism. He says, it's God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Now, it's been the case throughout church history, throughout the history of Christians, that they have been slandered and misrepresented in public by, by people who do not believe in Jesus. And so in Peter's day, when he's writing this letter, the, the Roman world was slandering the Christian church in a lot of different ways. They called them atheists because they had rejected all of the Roman gods and are only held to one. So they said, you don't believe in any God. You've rejected all of us. You're just a bunch of atheists. They were called cannibals because they ate and drank the body and blood of Jesus Christ. So they said the church is just a bunch of cannibals. They called them incestuous. They're just a bunch of incestuous people because they're marrying brothers and sisters in Christ. So they slandered them. They just kept slandering them and and throwing out false accusations. And so Peter says, church, watch how you act and live in the world. Don't don't act and live in the world in such a way that's going to add fuel to that fire. But actually live and act in the world in such a way that people will see how you live and say, I know that's not true. It'll shut their mouths. And so when people would criticize Christians as being cannibals, he said live in such a way where people won't believe that because of how good of a citizen you are in the world by submitting to authorities and following God in the world. And we know it's not that much different today. We know that when a Christian makes a mistake gets in the news and gets all over the headlines. And, and even when someone who's not really a Christian but kind of claims to be a Christian does something, the headlines read, Christian does whatever. And we're slandered. <laughs> we're called a bunch of stupid fools who don't believe in science. We're called a bunch of bigoted racists. We're called chauvinistic pigs. We're called whatever else in the world. And Peter says live in the world in a way that does not add fuel to the fire. Especially how we live in regard to the governing authorities over us. Because any trouble we get ourselves in in the world, it's just going to add fuel to the fire and it's going to affect our witness in the world. And so it, we need to live in a way that shuts the mouth of all these false accusations because we have such good character in the world. Now, I know that there's probably been a little bit of a nagging complaint rising up in the back of many of your minds or rising up in your heart. That's probably been there since the beginning of the message. It usually is. Um, Some little voice inside of you saying, yeah, yeah, I know that the Bible says we're supposed to submit to authorities, but the Bible also says we can disobey the authorities. And, and a lot of people have been thinking about all of the examples throughout Scripture of, of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, and Peter and John. And, and, and a lot of people have this event where Peter, right? So remember, Peter says this, the one who's writing the letter to us, telling us to submit to authorities. But there's this event in Acts 4 where Peter and John are arrested for speaking the name of Jesus. And the authorities... They, they're brought before the authorities and the authorities say, do not ever speak about Jesus again. And Peter looks at the authorities and says, what, what do you think is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to listen to God? You be the judge of it. And uh, and we really hold that passage pretty dearly, especially, I think, in the United States Um. We hold it dearly because we're, we live in a country that was founded on civil disobedience. It's really at the core of our DNA as a country, we have this rebellious streak in us that when anybody wants to tell us what to do, we want to slap their hands away and say, knock it off, you're not the boss of me. It's at the core of our DNA in our country. And so when people start talking about submitting to governing authorities, we start to get pretty uneasy about it. And any of us who, who believe that, that this is God's word, it's the very word of God, if we believe that, we're forced to acknowledge that we're supposed to submit to authorities. We have to admit it. You can't get around it. And yet we kind of carry in our back pocket this trump card that, well, in the name of God, I can disobey them. And so, yeah, I have to submit, but if, it's, if it, I'm going to honor God over man, right? And so I can disobey them whenever I want. And, and as I talk to people over the years, I have listened to people justify rebellion after rebellion after rebellion in the name of obeying God rather than man. I once had a teenager in my youth group who had gotten in trouble with her parents. I don't even remember what she did, but... She ended up being grounded for two weeks. And part of her being grounded was that she could not go to youth group for two weeks. That was part of her grounding. So what did she do? She went into her room, crawled out a window, snuck through a bunch of people's backyards and came to youth group. When I found out what she had done, I talked to her father and I pulled her off to the side and said, Why did you sneak out of your house? and come to youth group when you were grounded. And she said something along these lines. My parents, they're not very good parents. They're not even Christians. And they were preventing me from going to church. And so I decided I would obey God rather than my parents, just like Peter and John. And I had to tell her that to obey God is to obey your parents. Even non-Christian parents. And I had to tell her that, that not being allowed to go to youth group for a few weeks was a very different scenario than Peter and John being told, never, ever speak of the name of Jesus ever again. And I had to tell her that her father was coming, and that I was going to send her home with her father, and that I was expecting her to honor God by honoring and obeying her parents. And that I would see her again in a couple weeks. Now, I assume, as some people were listening to the story, some were sympathetic with her plea, right? They were keeping her from going to church. She should have disobeyed them. Some people probably think I did the wrong thing in that. And and there's kind of a prevailing opinion in, in our country that... If, if it's a non-Christian leader and, and an unjust authority or a harsh authority or a government that's overreaching, that we have an authority, we have the right to disobey them. But if you look at verse 18, Peter has something else to say. He says, "Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good." And considerate, but also to those who are harsh. And yes, I get this passage is speaking directly to slaves, but it's in the context of obeying and submitting to authority, and it applies across the board to any form of Christian submission. We are to submit to those in authority in our lives in reverent fear of God, even those that are harsh. And other translations, I think, translate it better. They say, even those that are unjust. So not just harsh leaders, unjust leaders, Peter says, we're to submit to them. We're to submit to leaders that are cruel and wicked and overreaching and harsh and unjust and abusive. We're still called to submit. And we know that because... We know who the emperor was when Paul was writing this. So Paul's writing this letter to a Christian church while Nero was the emperor. And Paul, Peter's telling them, submit to Nero and honor Nero. Nero, the emperor who's known for tying Christians to stakes and burning them at the stake to light his parties. Nero, the governor, who, uh, the, the emperor, who's known to, to be one of the most oppressive towards Christians throughout history. And Peter's living in the midst of that oppression, and he's writing to a church and saying, Honor Nero, submit to Nero. And I just have to be honest and blunt right now. It was a lot harder for Christians to honor and submit to Nero than it is for us to honor and submit to Trump or for us to honor and submit to Governor Evers. It's a whole different ballgame. It's a whole... There's no comparison to the evil and wickedness of Nero and any other governmental leader in our country. We are spoiled and we are blessed with many leaders And and Peter says, we honor and submit to them. That's what we're called to do. And he gives us a couple reasons for why we should honor and submit to authorities that are harsh and unjust. Look at verses 19 and 20. He says, for it's commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, that is commendable before God. That's Peter's first reason for for submitting to authorities even when they're harsh and unjust. He says it's commendable in God's sight to submit to these harsh and unjust authorities and even suffer for doing good as you keep your eyes on God and you trust him. It's commendable in God's sight there. There's a reward stored up for you in heaven when you do that, keeping your eyes on God and trusting him as you endure sorrow and suffering. And as I thought about that principle this week, it I thought it was helpful in us beginning to think through our relation with leaders. So we have this principle on one hand. Peter says it's commendable in God's sight for us to patiently endure suffering as we keep our eyes on him. And then in Romans 13, Paul says, consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. So Paul says in Romans 13, those who rebel against God or rebel against the authorities that God has put in place are actually rebelling against God and bringing judgment upon themselves. And, and on the other hand, Peter says suffering under unjust rulers And enduring it and and keeping our eyes on God is commendable. So we've got judgment on one hand. We have something that's commendable on the other hand. Now, does that mean that there's no place for any civil disobedience? Obviously not, because Scripture is very clear on that, right? I gave you three examples. I could give you more examples of, of people who did not submit to authority. So scripture is clear. There are times when we cannot submit to the authorities. But when we understand these two principles of what's commendable in God's sight and what brings judgment upon us, it tells us you better think really long and hard before you decide to disobey the governing authorities. Because you may be disobeying the authorities, thinking that you're bringing honor to God, and what you're really doing is rebelling against God and bringing judgment on yourself. What you think might be honoring to God is actually not honoring to God. And you may be dishonoring God, rebelling against God, and bringing judgment upon yourself. When you could have been enduring sorrow and suffering, submitting to the governing authorities. And doing something that's commendable in God's sight as you trust Him. And so, if you're going to rebel against the authorities, you better be extremely sure that what you're doing is honoring God through your rebellion. That civil disobedience should never be something that we rush into, it should never be our gut reaction anytime someone tells us to do something. It shouldn't be our first instinct. It really should be a last resort. And we should be sure, positive, that what we're doing is honoring God. And Peter gives us another reason for why we should submit to unjust and harsh authorities. He says that's what Jesus did. So look at verses 21 through 24. To this you were called, Christian, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. There's no doubt that what happened to Jesus Christ leading up to the cross and on the cross was the, most, was the greatest injustice in the history of the earth. He was perfectly innocent. He had committed no sin. No deceit was in his mouth. And yet he was beaten, mocked, and crucified by unjust, harsh, evil, wicked rulers. And what did Jesus do? Submitted himself. He didn't have to, but he submitted to it. He first submitted himself to God and said, Your will be done. And then he submitted himself to evil and wicked rulers. When they insulted him, he didn't mock them back. When he suffered, he didn't threaten them. Say, I'm going to get you back. He faithfully submitted. And Peter says he did that to give us an example so that we can faithfully submit even to unjust and wicked authorities. And you might ask, how was Jesus able to do that? It doesn't come naturally to us to be able to submit to unjust and harsh authorities. But Peter says this, and this is the key to the whole passage, in verse 23, Jesus entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He entrusted himself to God. He, he laid his life in God's hands, and he did that before it all started. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Father, not my will be done, but your will be done. I trust you, Father. And so he, he entrusted himself into the Father's hands, and, and Peter says, because he is a judge who judges justly. He entrusted himself into the Father's hands because the Father will make everything right one day. All sorrow and pain and injustice that we face in this world will be made right one day. And so as we live our lives, even under unjust authorities, we can entrust ourselves into God's hand knowing that he will make it right one day. So Jesus did that. He entrusted himself into God's hands and he knew that God would look on the injustice being done to him and that God would make it right. He also knew that God would look down on the wicked and unjust rulers and he would repay them for their injustice as well. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And so he entrusted himself to God his whole life into his father's hands. And look what God did through Jesus' faithful submission. Look at what God did through the injustice that was done to Christ. He took Jesus and He exalted Him by raising Him from the dead and setting Him as a name that is above every other name. He, he used the injustice done to Jesus Christ to bring about salvation and healing for all who turned to Him and looked to Him in faith. He he used the injustice done to Jesus, the faithful submission of Jesus, to free us from slavery to our sin. We were trapped and dead in our trespasses and sins, and through Jesus' faithful submission to an unjust authority, God used that to free us from our slavery. We're no longer lost sheep wandering around scattered on the hillsides, but we're part of God's flock. And now He's the shepherd and He's the overseer of our soul. He's watching over us. He's caring for us. He's making sure that all injustices done to us now will be made right one day. And so we trust Him. We get up every day and we say, Not my will, Father, but Your will be done. And then we live our lives submitting to authorities. And trusting that God is a just judge who will make things right in the end. And this season, this this two months of stay-at-home orders or quarantine or whatever you want to call them, has been really difficult for our country. I think it's been more difficult for our country than most people even realize. Even people who feel like they're doing pretty good in the midst of this have suffered more than they realize. And I think we'll start to realize it more and more as we start to open things up more and more and realize some of the weirdness of what that's going to look like. There's been a lot of sorrow and suffering because of these executive stay-at-home orders. There's been people suffering from loneliness and isolation. There's people increasing in their addictions to numerous things. People have suffered losses of jobs and businesses have been crippled. And it's because of the executive orders of the government. And so people get angry about that. But how, as Christians, are we to respond to suffering that's brought about by government executive orders? We submit and we entrust ourselves to God. He is a just judge. And it's commendable in God's sight to suffer for doing good while keeping our eyes on him. And so we entrust all of this, our businesses, our lives, our finances, our families, our friends. We, we entrust them all into God's hands and we expect and trust Him to make it right in the end. That the suffering we're doing now is storing up for us an eternal reward in heaven that will never perish or fade. We submit and we entrust ourselves to God. But now here in Wisconsin... Supreme Court's overturned all of that. And so now how do we live? I mean, it's pretty easy to submit to the authorities who say, just do it your way and be smart. We're going to respond the same way we did before. We're going to submit to God and entrust ourselves to God. And we're going to follow Peter's lead, who says in verse 16, he says, live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. You are God's slaves. We submit ourselves to God first and foremost anyway. So whether the government says, go do whatever you want to do, the government hasn't said, go do whatever you want to do. But we will move forward from here living as God's people, as those submitting and entrusting ourselves To God, living as God's ambassadors in the world with the gospel, living in ways that are wise and intelligent and love our neighbors, living in the world without fear, but trusting our God. And so as a church, we will continue to make plans and figure out how we can get back together face to face. But we're going to try to do that with wisdom and intelligence in ways that bring God honor. And we're going to do that in submission to God and in submission to the authorities And so in some ways in Wisconsin, it seemed like everything changed after this decision happened on Wednesday night. But in reality, not much has changed. That we're continued to keep living our lives the way that we always are called to live our lives. Submitting to God and entrusting our lives to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just continue to give you thanks and praise for the way that you watch over us and you care us, care for us. We thank you that you're a trustworthy and faithful God and that you are a just judge. We thank you that we can trust you, that you will right all wrongs that happen in this world and you will see all the injustices that happen in this world and you will make them right one day that one day you will lift up those who keep their eyes on you and you will take down those who rebel against you. Father, we continue to ask that you would grant us wisdom to know how to live in this world, how to rightly submit to authorities, how to rightly submit to you. But underneath all of that, Father, stir our hearts to trust you. No matter what circumstance we find ourselves in, no matter what the scenario of the world is, Father, help us entrust ourselves to you. Help us to wake up each and every morning and say, not my will be done, but yours. And then live our lives trusting in you more fully. We pray all of this in your faithful name, in the name of your faithful son, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen.